coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California. I'm Karen. I'm Anne. I'm Katie. And this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. a new one we haven't have started with a yeehaw before i like it <laughs> you know it's spring so, okay. wow, that's, that's when the cowboys come out <laughs> cowboys butterflies <laughs> whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna make it a rule that every time we start the podcast we have to have a new greeting like yeehaw. so i don't know challenge right, accepted turn. what are we doing today we are discussing um, The Other Passenger by Louise Candl- Candlish. I have a confession to make. I didn't read it. <laughs> I didn't at read all? it at all? I started, I tried four times to listen to this book. And it was like, I, for whatever reason, the narrator's um, accent is really was annoying. so grating. Yes. I couldn't take it. And it was like distracting enough that I wasn't paying attention. As I was listening. So I was like, okay, I started over. And I was like a chapter or two in. And then I was like, I can't take it anymore. And I tried like four times to do it. And then I was like, I'm just going to buy the book. And I'm going to read it. And then all of a sudden it was this week. And I was like, oh. And I feel really bad because I really tried. But I couldn't do it. I know what you mean. I know what you mean about that voice. I would almost rather have the robot voice. It was. (laughs) Wow. It was. Yeah. So I do apologize because well, this, instead of a three-sided conversation, I know nothing about this book <laughs> so, except for the first two chapters. So my next, oh, so comment, my next comment is not, not about the book, but about the reader. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you get a reader that starts with accents and then they mix up the act, like she'll start, she started with one accent with one person and then later in the book it she forgot. Man, right? It's a man. Yeah. Huh? It was, it was a man. man. It was a man. See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've read a lot of, but but some of the voices that were done, he he didn't keep the accent consistent, and I got confused over who was talking. I don't think that bothers me that much because I didn't notice. Just it. the person's accent, like gen- in general, like when he's not doing any voices, I couldn't take it. Well, it's true. I didn't like anyone in this book. <laughs> no, they're horrible people. We all but agree. I think that's Every single one point, of them is irredeemable. Like, at, well, I mean. Uh, the girlfriend of the main character is not. There's nothing wrong with her, Carol. No. I mean, okay. I didn't like she's like kind her, of a she's but... kind of like a minor character. Yeah, she's a little cardboard. But, but everybody else wrong. is horrible. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. there were some twists in there. I didn't see things right away. Well, there were several twists, right? Yeah, so yeah. So I do like the twists. Week, there were several twists. Mm-hmm. There was more than one. You said there'd be a twist, and there, yep. were, there was like yep. layer on layer. I was waiting for there to be one more. Me too. I was um, like, okay, which you... I think I'll share at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should be the synopsis. Okay, so yeah. So it's according to criminalelement.com book reviews. The other passenger by Louise Candlish is an unput put downable. Possibly not. <laughs> Twisting thriller <laughs> that explores privilege, societal pressures, and crime when a commuter becomes a suspect in his friends, and you should really put that in quotation marks, friends, yeah. uh, mysterious disappearance. Underneath the skin of this propulsive pro- thriller involving the sudden disappearance of a charismatic young man is a thoughtful, socially conscious examination of contemporary mores 
Well, there's a fancy word. And how <laughs> modern punishments fit modern crimes. Well, I don't know if I agree with this person's. Maybe. Modern punishments. Okay. Anyway. Jamie Buckby is a man of seeming contradictions. Uh, I, am I even on the right book? Yeah, Jamie is the <laughs> main character. See, am I the only one who read this book? <laughs> I read the book, but you, you did realize it like early on, right? <laughs> it was in such a first-person narrative. I don't think I ever caught the name of who the happen, speaker yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, shame, yeah. shame. Yeah. Is a man of seeming contradictions. Approaching fifty. See, I didn't even care, realize he was that much older. He lives in an expensive London home with his partner Claire but abruptly quit his job as a marketing executive after a traumatic experience. Now he works in a cafe preparing drinks and sandwiches for less than the cost of living, enjoying the job despite Claire's nagging to get his career back on track, which is kind of reasonable, but kind of annoying. Claire herself makes a good salary working for a leasing company, although she is frankly fortunate to have parents who bought a posh townhouse on the cheap decades back when the neighborhood was in its considered less than fat, when considered uh, when the neighborhood it's in was considered less than fashionable. So she was part of the gentrification mm-hmm. of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now Claire and Jamie live there rent free while her parents enjoy life in their Edinburgh hometown. Jamie is never not aware of what this means for their relationship's power dynamic, even though he's occasionally annoyed by how cavalierly Claire treats her privilege. Yeah. I was curious as to how he afforded living where he did being a barista or whatever he was. I didn't get that far. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of felt he was a little bit of a kept guy. <laughs> but Well, I mean, let's look at that. Would you say that about a woman who has a lower salary job than no, her husband? No, okay. Or, or There's, a partner? There I you mean... go. There's That's a very I mean, fair point. he's like a kept guy. So he does. Maybe, I'm, is... maybe I'm picking up on his yeah. d- discomfort. That is definitely, like, something that is being communicated, that, like, gender flip discomfort. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a little more little more to the story. So it's actually Claire who brings about Jamie's friendship with their na- young young neighbor, Kit Roper. Kit's girlfriend, Amelia, uh, has started in a junior agent position at Claire's company. So there's this dynamic that they're young and they're fresh. You're right. I did, I, now that I think about it, I did realize that they were more middling in age with this young couple and they're fun and exciting and Claire, but Claire's kind of the, but Claire's the boss over Melia. The 20 something Melia and Kit form a fast, if unlikely friendship with the older couple discovering that Kit has a shared distaste for underground commuting to the city. Jamie joins him in getting an annual river bus pass, which of course uh, Jamie can't really afford with the two men falling into a routine of commuting to work together along the Thames. So at some point, um, the, the book ends where there he's commuting and Kit's not there <coughs> and he gets off and the police are like, come talk with us. Yeah. <laughs> Your friend's missing. The real, and the real police. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the fake oh, police no. and the real police. Too. Oh no. Maybe the real police meet him at work. That's what happened. Yeah. Oh, the don't, don't, don't give it away yet. <laughs> But we're going to spoil it. We are going to totally spoil it. <laughs> okay, sorry. Jamie swears that though he and Kit parted on... Unpl- okay, so there was a... F- the evening before, Jamie and Kit get into a fight, some kind of argument that gets heated. Now, granted, this is one... I've never heard of this. This is like one of those commuter um, barges where there's alcohol available. So after work, it's kind of like a floating bar. I imagine um, it must be a little bit like... Um, 
the the boats out to the island. The island packers. Yeah, yeah. They have a full bar. And you a can full commute, snack bar. or you could just go and party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can get off get get off work, and you can go to the bar while it is. Bringing you home. Yeah, that's, that's so safe. That's kind of, <laughs> it is pretty safe if you can, you know. <clears throat> but uh, I guess they had a little too much to drink, <clears throat> and I don't know. Do you, I don't remember if they it came to blows, but they it was pretty heated and loud. But they thought well, but according to Jamie, he thought they were the last ones off the boat. But there was some mysterious witness. <clears throat> That the police, in quotation marks... Jamie presumes that there's a mysterious witness. <laughs> no, they said that the, the, the fake oh, police did. said that you're there was right, that someone right. saw them. We don't know they were fake at this time, though. So, anyway, so the whole book, you're trying... Uh, kid is missing, presumed dead. Week, a couple weeks go by, and um, it's, it's all about... It's sort of this murder... Disappear, uh, disappearing mystery, and which, and it goes on from there. Anyway, one week goes by because it goes from the day just after week? Christmas to New oh, Year's. to New Year's. Yeah. That's right. Um, so well for those of us who read it. Did yeah. You, did you like it? Yeah, because it had a satisfying ending. Okay. So like the twists were, may I? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, go for it. Okay, so um. Initially on Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day, which is the 26th, um, the police take Jamie off of his commuter boat and question him. And so, like, the story, the writing story is, like, like almost journalistic because, like, like he's journaling or writing in a diary. Yeah. Because, which I don't know if that falls, like, in the epistolary when you're writing a letter, that format. Because it's his confession and it's omniscient from his point of view. We're not sure if he's telling everything to the fake cops, which he believes are real. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's telling us the whole story of the affair. <laughs> and how it started and how it progressed. And... Affair? Let's t- oh, the affair that he's having with Kit's wife. What's her name? Melia. 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 And he turns out to be a despicable cheater. No good, bad guy. Uh, So he goes about his life thinking that's all confessed and that um, Kit is, I mean, the whole world thinks that Kit is murdered or disappeared. Mm -hmm. And uh, then on New Year's Eve, he pretends to tuck himself into bed. And here comes sauntering Kit and Amelia. And um, the this is when we get the first reveal of Jamie and Amelia have been plotting to hide Kit away for an insurance scheme. Well, she's so insane. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia convinces Kit to hide for an insurance scheme. Yep. Amelia convinces Jamie that they're going to actually murder Kit so that they can get the insurance money. <laughs> and then he cannot, he won't have to be, feel like a kept man because he'll get some of the money. Yeah. And, uh, oh, but to help push him along towards that, she has the, pol- the quotation mark police meet him outside his house at one point. And no, don't they, they never bring him down to the station. At any yeah, point, he keeps saying, "Should we go to the station? Like, Are no. you going to mount a campaign?" <laughs> and they're like, do "No, you, no, no. <laughs> we don't need to do that. We can just do this informally. We can just talk to you right here and pressure you." 
uh, I mean, they even don't they even go into his house or at some point? No, they they never. I always thought that was kind of weird if if they're trying to grill him like out in the street or outside his house or something like that, but they never go to yeah, it's out in the, the station street, like in a public place where there's lots of cameras yeah and they, we find out later that they've studied the camera angle so that only he's on film and it looks mm. like he's just chatting with friends and getting a cup of coffee with friends mm-hmm. um so then the next deceit so then amelia murders kit and throws him in the river and um then we find out the next deceit is that she's actually framed jamie for this murder <laughs> so she can keep all the money yeah and um and she's she's it's just layer upon layer like he thinks they're going to a place where the cctv can't see them in fact somebody takes a picture it's amelia taking a picture of him fighting kit before she stabs him um so the next layer i wanted and everybody thinks that what did they call him a a fantasist i'll I'll look it up they call jamie a something like that that he's making all this up and Mm -hmm. has this fantasy when all of this crystal clear evidence illustrates that he had a beef with kit he was cheating with his wife and he obviously had clear motive to murder him because he doesn't have money he can't if his his, he's jealous if his girlfriend kicks him out he's got no place to go you know so and he's yeah um what i wanted because you you said it in the synopsis Carol brings these monsters into their lives. Claire. Yeah, Claire. Claire, thank you. Yeah. Claire brings them into their lives. So I wanted it to be Claire and Amelia in league all along. I could tell that Claire was flattered that this younger dynamic um, woman had any interest in her. That's that's what, yeah. yeah. But I wanted that one more layer. And then the ultimate twist in the epilogue, Jamie's in jail. He's continuing to write Kit like letters in his mind for forgiveness. Yeah. And what is the last twist? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, so Amelia comes to visit him. It's this like reconciliation program and she volunteered oh, that's for right. it. She, the, and the they, rub. Yep. Ah. And so the um, Jamie just wants to sit across from her to be like, F you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? did you get the insurance money? She says, yes. And they have a further exchange. And ultimately he does get like the last word in. So then cut to they. she's back on the river barge. And uh, she says, this was an extravagance for me because of some stupid technicality. <laughs> she didn't get the insurance money. Oh, that's money. right. I love that. Yeah. He, didn't, he had too many sick days or too many absences from work. Oh. and the insurance policy was void <laughs> yeah because kit w- was often drunk and he hated his job and a lot of times he just fake called in sick and so yeah i forgot about that that in the very end after all that he didn't work enough hours before she killed him to so to to <laughs> to earn insurance <laughs> so the black widow sees some other attractive middle-aged man who she hears talking to his mom about his divorce and she has her her eyes set on the next I will say the victim. first several, several chapters, maybe the first third of the book was confusing for me. It was hard to keep everyone and I wasn't as engaged in the story. It wasn't until I felt like the snowball started to roll when the first couple twists, like until the first couple twists started happening, 
it just wasn't very interesting. It's like, really? I didn't think it was believable. This younger couple is really in. Yeah, they're so self-serving. Well, I mean, if you think about it, when you're an adult and you're like out in the work world trying to make your way, the age of your friends, because adult friendships are so challenging Mm -hmm. that you're going to like take those you know, openings where you get them, even if it's an older couple. Didn't you feel it was a little suspicious that this 20-something was into, a, like, an almost 50-something? It was weird. And now, then we find out it was calculated. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, what must he look like if he's a, like, 49-year-old hottie? But they you know? kind of <laughs> described them... Not that you can't be hot at 49, Well, but... they kind of described him as just kind of okay. I mean, although yeah. the, his, his fellow barista... Mm-hmm. I think she kind of liked him or he was maybe just a friend. Yeah. But I mean, she supported him. Yeah. She was a good work friend. <laughs> but I can see that he's the only one who kept coming up with this, who shared this. The story was never in the news. The white, you know, the kid Amelia never filed a police report, a missing persons report at all. So, and he kept thinking it was, you would kind of think it's odd that, you know, the police are not, you know, if, if this were in the police, wouldn't they want, if at first one they thought he was missing, wouldn't they have put something in the news? Plea, yeah. A public plea. Yeah. If you've seen this guy, please help us. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing. None of that happened. Nope. You know. Um, yeah. I didn't like any of the people <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think they were good people to not like. Though. Yeah. I, yeah. And so at some point when I was like, oh, no one here is sympathetic. I was like, this must be by design. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we talked, what was the least thing about the book that you liked? The thing, the, liked the thing you liked least. Oh, we know Katie didn't like the audio. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the narrator. You tried, you, you tried go. though. Yeah, you, tried. Goodness, you tried. You tried. Yeah. Poor uh, trimes. That's, that's, that's good enough. Well, I didn't like the people at all. Because I, I but, liked the story. I liked the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really hated the people. Yeah. But do you think that made it for a good story? Yes. Because it was like delicious. When yes. I, when they got, <laughs> when everyone gets their just desserts. it's it's It was like the dish best served. She did do a really good job of making you kind of despise these people. And you when they... Yeah, well, the very last was like you said, felt so. I was just laughing. Yeah, I was like, ha, 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 that was delightful. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that was. And that I liked that feeling of the book. Yeah. So, um, least about the book itself, I, I guess, it was hard. Maybe because of the audio, I think the audio book is what threw me off the and made it hard to engage the first portion of the book. I was still trying to get a clear picture of who the characters were and some of their care. And maybe if I'd read it and let my imagination fill in the voices, mm-hmm. it might've been a little better. I can see that. If you're making a movie. Yeah. Who would you cast? Pick one character that you would cast and who would cast them. So we don't have to cast the whole movie, but oh, one character. Hmm. Some guileless young woman. Who would that be? <laughs> And our main character, you said, is like a 49-year-old hottie. Well, he, well, he's supposed to be average. <laughs> average but, hottie. But for me to be but interested. In a Hollywood movie, they're yeah, all Yeah, I was like, I mean, 
I didn't, I didn't need the sex scenes to be any more graphic than they were because fuck you cheaters. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I really feel that. Otherwise, yeah. I, I think everybody would probably agree word. with you. Um, <laughs> monsters. Cheaters are monsters. Um, but for it to be believable and me to care about watching the show, I li- literally had the thought of it needed to be someone much cuter. Somebody you wouldn't mind looking at. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we don't ever know the, like, um, race is not described here. So I would choose Idris Elba. I can see that. Yeah. He's handsome. Oh, yeah. Mm. He doesn't so I'm going to stay engaged if Idris Elba is the cheater. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of who I would pick. Oh, Kit would obviously be Kit Harrington because obviously that's oh, that who she is. Because he's also like short and fiery. He doesn't even have to learn yeah. his own <laughs> name. Nope, same name. I'm trying to think who would I pick for Claire. I don't know. I don't know British actresses' names. They I mean, have to be British. That's true. They could have an accent. Oh, it would be so tra- tragic if it's Olivia Coleman because like you love her. She seems a little too old. Well, they're the almost, right they're almost, yeah. well, Claire is almost 50, could be a little over 50, because I feel like she's, man, she's okay. in a managerial position, she's got the money, she is in kind of a... I've got it. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. It's the cast of Idris Elba's um, TV show, which was Luther. So Idris Elba is Jamie. The gorgeous woman who played his wife in the early seasons, who's this like elegant, elegant lady who. Um, Olivia Coleman's 48, so you were right. Yeah. I would be so tragic with Olivia Coleman because she's so adorable and she can, she's one of those great actresses who can look stunning. Yeah. Or very, very plain. plain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to see, I'm trying to figure out what she looks like. Um, and then. The guileless young woman could be the woman who played like his um, sort of, um, I can't think of the right word, but like Sherlock's um, sidekick, not sidekick, but your antagonizer. Mm. Um, But she was a little bit more of an ally at times, too. Um, That actress name is Amy Fionn Edwards. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, that's not right. No. That's she played something else. Okay, sorry. She'd be great too because she's got that kind of pixie look. All right, Ruth Wilson could be the ingenue. She's getting a little old now. Sorry. Um, a little old to be an ingenue. Yeah, and then Indira Varma is the um, the one who plays his wife. You've seen her in other things. She's absolutely stunning and like tall. Oh yeah. Cheekbones. Oh, she looks like a boss lady. Yeah. And oh, I can totally so see her as Claire. Right, yeah. Because yeah. so Claire's she a very Claire. strong yeah. managerial mm-hmm. business person. That's why, she, that's why she's she's like, don't you want to try? I, I got an interview for you mm-hmm. with my boss. You yeah. know, you could be working with me. You could have like a steady paying job. Interesting. is about to turn 50. There you go. <laughs> um, I think Ann figured it out. Yeah. And yep. then. Kit Harrington will bring him in. As, yeah, as, throw him yeah, in. Yeah. Okay, so the cast of Luther plus Kit Harrington. Awesome. Uh, and if you have not watched Luther, guys, it's very good. He's not a cheater. He's a devoted ex-husband. <laughs> and sexy as heck. So um, I had read some reviews of Louise Candlish's other books, and, and that she's like the queen of the twist. 
according to the other, you know. This and, was a very good twist. This was a very good twist. It was very twisty. Yeah. Yeah. I still wanted that so, one more. <laughs> when you do the movie rewrite, guys. Add in one more. Make twist. Claire and Amelia in cahoots. <laughs> see, but I could, I could see, I like that they're not because I expected them to be. Ah, fair enough. So it's it's like I don't want it to be too on the nose. Because Claire does this whole thing where she gets her cousin to to <laughs> dig up info and she almost figures out the insurance scam. Yeah. But I felt like as long as we had laid on so I much about that. Yeah. like reality twisting for Jamie that why not have one more layer? And that's her new lover or something, not her no, cousin. Yeah, did she <laughs> Did she? She had her cousin do this even after she found out about the affair, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because she just didn't want this girl to win. Yeah. You know. See, that's why I I love your your choice for Claire because in a movie because she's the kind of person who was like, oh no, oh no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So would you read another book? I, I I'm kind of on the fence. What if I read another book and expecting a lot of twists and it wasn't as twisty? I might be disappointed. Oh, see, that's the thing. That was kind of the um. The bummer about is it Alex Michelades and the, the maidens. Mm-hmm. I wanted more from that because the silent patient was such an intricate work of art. But but if she's you know holding the reign of twist twist queen. Mm-hmm. But now it's like man, now I expect it. Yeah, I'm expecting true. it, and I hate expecting it. It's like totally it was just, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, Which is fun. Yeah. Oh my yep. God. Yep. That's yep. my favorite thing. I can't remember what movie we... I think it was whatever came right after um, The Sixth Sense. I think The Village was the next movie released. The Village was my I, first I think there was, experience of M. Night Shyamalan. I think Signs was before that. Oh. James and I have been on a kick where we've been watching a ton of them and we were just discussing it. I, I think like it was, all three of those movies. We watched all three of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it goes Sixth Sense signs village because so, then it was like village and lady in the water which are like not uh, so great in his I love see I yeah. love the he village sort of because that was my there. first experience with him well what I love and I about love that village twist. and unbreakables in there somewhere yeah what I loved about the village which is more about the movie going experience mm-hmm. than the movie itself and I think that is part of what he's doing yes. in his art um is my girlfriend and I went and we were sitting in the movie theater we're like mid 20s and we're in the movie theater with a bunch of like 18 and 19 year olds maybe mm-hmm. even younger mm-hmm. and they think they're getting the sixth sense and they got the village <laughs> <laughs> and i thought it was a i enjoyed the movie it's fun to watch yeah um i was totally sucked like, in oh what <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> yeah the village had me totally sucked in that this was in the time frame that it pretends oh, to be absolutely absolutely Joaquin Phoenix holding yarn for his mom. Yep. Yep. Love it. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Okay. So what kind of, I got to say, I had a lot lot of feelings about this book. What kind of feelings? I mean, there was, I I was really pissed off at some of the characters at various times. And I I was really, I will say emotionally engaged in this book. It, well, it was not in the beginning, but. (laughs) Yeah. As a, as a chronic eavesdropper. It felt like something juicy. I was listening Absolutely. in. Absolutely, I could even picture. I totally could picture them on the on this commuter barge at like 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 um, diner type seats. Yeah. Ac- lounging with um, with like wine in front of them or something or mm-hmm. some kind of multiple glasses of drinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, the whole thing was just like. Who was the other friend? Who was the? Steve. No, there's a female friend. Gretchen. Gretchen. Gretchen yeah, there was right. Steve and Gretchen. Yeah. yeah. And they were. They were just people that they met. They were part of the boat hangout crew. Gotcha. Gretchen was having an affair with Kit, on and off. And Steve was just an a-hole that Claire ends up with. All these people sound so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they were. But so the, how did Gretchen not know? She didn't seem worried. No, she did seem kind of worried that she Kit was. was. Yeah. But she so, had a, a trip planned. So she had oh, to. It was like non-refundable trip. That's right. So she left on her trip. What about the book's length? Too long? Too short? Just enough. I thought so too. Yeah. Any longer and it would have been like you're milking it. Any shorter and it would have been less satisfied. Mm. I actually really like the framework because it's mm-hmm. told in one year. So whereas like. So it was more than a week. Well, the story's told over a year. Oh, yeah. The events of the book of Kit going missing mm-hmm. and him being interviewed yeah. to Kit actually being murdered and him being interviewed is the span of one week. Gotcha. Um, but the storytelling or the because sometimes it's hard for me to follow the flashback mm-hmm. timelines, mm-hmm. especially in an audiobook. But this was easy because it's one year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was easy to track everything. <clears throat> so what do you think of the book's title, The Other Passenger? How yes. does it relate to the book's contents? With would there be a different title that you would choose or would you just let it stand? I think it's perfect because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's talking about, it can be applied so many ways. Yeah. Like the other passenger is his new friend, Kit. The other passenger is the mystery person that never Mr. really Witness. exists. Yeah. Um, the entire book I was waiting. Right. I, and I kept mm-hmm. going, what about the, how come the police are not interviewing? They're not really talking about the other passenger. They, they yeah. interviewed this other person, but they're not, that's all we get about it. I they're, assume that he also could be the other passenger. Yeah. Like they have to yeah. interview him because he was the other yeah. passenger. The mm-hmm. other passenger to disembark with Kit. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we're in the same position of wondering that Kit finds himself in. Or I'm sorry, that Jamie finds himself in. Mm-hmm. That like we're still. Because like, he doesn't know any more than we do. This, yeah. You know. Um, and that takes us down a really interesting thing. I think the most well-written part of the book to me or the most vivid for me to experience was when um, they're like, yeah, what about that thing that happened on the train? And then Jamie goes on to talk about his claustrophobia and the mm-hmm. um, panic attack he had on the when he was packed in on the train. So which let's, was talk about, terrifying. let's talk about that train incident for a moment because mm-hmm. it is completely debilitating to him. Yeah. I mean, he had a great steady job, but it, it absolutely required, there's no way he could commute otherwise than going back into the tunnels onto a commuter mm-hmm. train. And um, remi- remind us what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, so it's the summertime, it's hot. They're in an underground train, which I guess is the tube, right? Oh yeah. I the think tube. the tube. Yes. Oh, that's so right, that's right. Um, he says, he's telling the story. He's like, I've studied um, crushes of people or I don't know if that was the term he used. And if you have this many people per cubic meter or whatever, mm-hmm. the, it starts to move as a fluid mass. And I couldn't even like go down to the ground to settle myself because if I did, then the people would close in over me and I'm getting pushed up against the glass and I can't breathe. My lungs can't take in a breath. And then he pulls the emergency brake. 
massive, massive panic attack. Yeah. And then they get stuck. And everybody, the longer it goes on, what was it, a couple hours? Yeah. So, yeah. like, he explains that the regular process is that when you pull an emergency brake, the train goes to the next station. Mm-hmm. But there was already a train that stopped and stalled before the station. And so that's why they are stuck for so long, because they can't move the other train out of their way. And it's so bad that they report about it on the... He freaks out, and he they report about it in the newspapers. So, and people are... Blo- so it's not just like an incident that, that he can just grow out of it goes because of social media it goes on and on and on and even what as time passes by people go oh yeah you're that panicky train guy or they have other things Mm -hmm. and there was a woman on the train that was pregnant at the time and something happened did she she went into like premature labor and she started like email i forget because it felt like it was an email he opened specifically, but she gets a hold of his email address yeah. and she starts to like send him abusive emails, accusing him he, of hurting. He her was baby. getting doxxed. Yeah. yeah. You know about it. And it, so it was like trauma that kept getting hashed and hashed and hashed. And then, um, so there's that element that, cause wasn't there, there's, was, there's some element I thought maybe the other passenger yeah. was her. Well, that's what he fixates on. Yeah, he, he fixates, fixates it. on it being her. Mm-hmm. And um, the fake police have stenciled the name, like penciled in a name on one of their tablets. And he's like, was that her initials? It was like Sarah Miller or something. Because he never knew, because he never knew her name. Yeah. He's just, yeah, f- trying to figure out who, who was it? Mm-hmm. Was it her? Is she doing this to me? <laughs> who is it? It's just maddening. It's just, he's yeah. But he doesn't seem to go into the he he's trying to hold on to his panic, so that I don't think he ever has the meltdown that he had on that train. No, but it, it comes close when he's fleeing. Yeah. Um, it's weird how there was never a retraction. There was even when the authorities for the train even said this is normal, this this is yeah. normal what would happen. It was not his fault. It didn't matter because. You know, everybody got in a hold of it and want to believe the worst of him in the same way that as I'm listening to this, I'm one of those same people that I'm listening to all this bad stuff happening to someone, but they're kind of bad people. So I don't, you I don't, don't mind. mind. You're eating it up with a spoon. So I'm what a like, fun thing to eavesdrop on. <laughs> so she really keeps that going. I think yeah, she keeps the tone in various elements. Mm-hmm. You, it's not, it's not just one note. There's like this, she just like revisits that same emotion yeah. of panic and that guilty you know gossip feeling you know the other part of it is like sometimes i mean he even says it i think like he knows he's making the wrong choices mm-hmm. and then he but he's like i'm just gonna let it keep happening to me like i could tell her to stop like at the very beginning i could tell her to stop it could be a one-time kiss what am i doing to claire and then but he just keeps letting life happen to him and passively taking it in. Like if you have a job that hate that you hate that your job, the commute is is creating such intense stress for you, you could change jobs. Mm-hmm. Which is what he did. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't change jobs. He was let go or had to resign from the good job. Oh yeah. And um so it got switch. taken away from him or mm-hmm. passively his, he did change passively. He changed jobs. You are correct. He changed jobs. 
he just lets life happen to him instead of taking control of it. But I think Claire knows that. And that's kind of what really annoys her. True. Because a strong woman like, like Claire, a strong-minded woman, kind of needs someone equal in partnership. And at least when he had this other job, they were the the dynamics were so were were equal, but now that he's not the breadwinner, he's really relying on her for everything financially. If they want to go on vacation, she's the one who's got to pay for everything. It's just if they want to go out to dinner, she's got to pay for everything. It's not an equal mm-hmm. relationship, and not that money should be that way. But I think of it, it's more than just the money. It's it's his. I think she gets really frustrated that he will not step up for himself. Well, she has a set of expectations for what a life fully lived looks like. Yeah. Um, and he has a different, which he, he iterates many times of like, mm-hmm. I have a job. This job is a lot harder than any other job I've ever had. Like I am living a life I enjoy. So they're just not on the same page about mm-hmm. what a fulfilled life would look like. So do you think, if Kit and Melia had never happened, would he and Claire keep going? Absolutely. You don't think at some point Claire would be like, I'm done. Okay. I no, just can't. Because it's already been so long. Yeah. Like yeah. people tend to stay and make these passive choices. She even says when it's falling apart, don't you wish you could rewind? She wants, she wants to keep him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's kept and she wants to keep <laughs> And yet she complains about it. Well, that's the thing that drives me absolutely insane. Like, it is a core foundational belief in me that if I am unhappy, that I should look at what I can change about that. And, like, first I look at what I can do. If there's nothing internal, then I start looking at the external things. And then I make a change. Like, but that's not normal. Like, most people stay with what they know because that's safe and definable and they stay miserable. Like that's what I think Claire would have done. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been together, but they would not have been happy. No, no, they would continue and he wouldn't feel comfortable leaving, but he wouldn't. I mean, I think there's more behind cheaters, but obviously like he didn't, you know, he didn't want to face that conflict. Mm hmm. Well, that's kind of all the questions I have. <laughs> well, I think it was a fun pick, Karen. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm interested in trying more of her books. I'm trepidatious about worrying about what was around, what's around the corner, what's mm. going to come around the corner. I think she's pretty artful at hiding mm. the twists. Because, for example, like I was believing along with him that he was legitimately being interviewed by the police. Oh, I told you. Yeah. So you didn't feel like something's going to happen, like a twist is coming. No. Yeah. And that was already. Well, if you give it enough time between this and the next one, maybe you'll be yeah. more open Surprised. to. Yeah. yeah. A little more surprised. Um, I watched a movie. That I, or not a movie. It was a limited series that was kind of, but it was like quick enough. I actually watched it in, in, in maybe two evenings. Mm-hmm. It's called The Deceived. I watched it on Prime, I think. And it's a blend of this story, mm-hmm. like the whole who's really dead is there insurance fraud what's happening mm-hmm. oh. and rebecca mm. young unrooted um, woman comes to um be the new mistress of nice. the uh, mistress of the house to mm-hmm. the um powerful domineering 
sure. male character. Very good. Yeah. There are some um, bad accent situations in this one, though. Mm. <laughs> There's something be, about the, the husband's accent. Like, it's set in Ireland. She's going to school in Oxford, and it's a English teacher or, like, her master's, um, you know, uh-huh. whatever he is. They did, They seem to right. do that weird. Professor yeah. Thing. Um, mentor. Was the one you saw called Our House? What do you mean? You said you you just you're that you're watching a show that's a mixture of these. No, the book the oh, show book. is no, it's the show. It's a show. The show is called The Deceived. Because there she has a new book called Our House mm-hmm. and it's on it's a major part of ITV drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it's interesting. So I just thought yeah, there was ITV a... actually has some really good stuff. I, but I've only been finding that like they have um French um subtitled crime dramas. But those are fantastic if I feel like reading subtitles. <laughs> oh, she does have a new book that's going to come out in, mm. in the UK in June. It, so after that here called The Heights, mm. a twisty revenge thriller uh, whose narrator Ellen has a strange fear of heights known as high place phenomenon. Huh. You could say she's my most Hitchcock inspired character yet. Oh. Can't wait. This is from the author. Can't wait for you to read it and share your thoughts paperback publishes in the UK. If it's if, if the paperback comes out in June, then In the Heights might be already available otherwise. So very good. You know, the Deceived just was like an amalgamation of other things that we'd been interested in. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. very good. Has anybody read anything else exciting since last time we oh. talked? I don't care. My library. I'm <laughs> guess what? I haven't. <laughs> what? <laughs> One of these days, I'm really going to surprise you. Ooh, I can't wait. Uh, I'm continuing with my Octavia Butler uh, mm-hmm. foray into her writing, and it just gets better and better. I've been reading... Did I start any books by Louise Penny last time? Yes. Yeah, I'm now finished book five. Oh, wow. <laughs> in the series. I don't know if I want to keep... And they're all centered in the same Three Pines, but every time I hear Three Pines, it reminds me of... Mystic Pines or whatever Pines. Remember we that thriller? Uh, oh, yeah, Lone yeah, Pine yeah. or yeah. something. Not Lone Pine. Mm-hmm. That's something. a different thing. It's a, sci- <laughs> no, the uh, the one, a sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's a small face. kind of controlled town. Blake, but um, Blake, it's Blake. fun. It's fun. It's it's. I think I may take. There's 17 books in that series. And after five, I may take a break. Because okay. I'm like, I like the characters. But I'm getting a little too much of them. I am reading America Goddamn that just came out. Um, the audiobook doesn't come out, so I'm listening to the bots read oh, it to and you're me. Enjoying that? <laughs> it's it's interesting where they make a pause between pages. <laughs> <laughs> you had us all there. <laughs> yeah, but um, and that's um it's not a it's not fiction genre so it's it, it's really it has more historical and social um but it's inspired from it takes its title from the Nina Simone um song Mississippi Goddamn which nice. s- starts off really peppy mm-hmm. and fun and she goes this is a show tune but the rest of the play hasn't been written yet oh. mm. <laughs> um she just and it starts off really peppy and fun and then it is kind of a condemn a condemnation of all the social problems that we are now 50 years later still dealing with mm-hmm. anyway so that's where i'm at the book just uh, america goddamn g-o-d-d-a-m mm-hmm. 
came out last week. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's my turn to pick the book, which I don't feel like I earned because I didn't, I slunked out of this month, but I'm still going to pick. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so we are going to be reading a book by an author. Her name is Miriam Taves and that's spelled T O E W S, which is a Mennonite name. T O W T O E W S T O E W S. Miriam Taves is how you pronounce it. Um, I read a book by her a few years ago. That was called Women Talking, and it's about a oh. Mennonite community and the women within that Mennonite community sort of like raising that was up. Good. That was good because I read it after you yeah. because of your recommendation. It was very good. So when I was at um, Timber, our local bookstore, this was like one of their recommended ones, and it's her newest book. Um, and it's called Fight Night by Miriam Taves. Um, so I have a little synopsis or her blurb, I guess. Um, says, you are a small thing, Grandma writes, and you must learn to fight. Sweeve's grandma, Elvira, has been fighting all her life. From her upbringing in a strict religious community, she has fought those who wanted to take away her joy, her independence, and her spirit. She has fought to make peace with her loved ones when they have chosen to leave her, and now, even as her health fails, Grandma is fighting for her family, for her daughter, partnerless in the third term of a pregnancy, and for her granddaughter, Sweeve, a spirited nine-year-old who has been suspended from school, cramped together in their Toronto home on the precipice of an extraordinary change. Grandma and Sweeve undertake a vital new project, setting out to explain their lives in letters they will never send. Alternating between the exuberant, precocious voice of nine-year-old Sweeve and her irrepressible, tenacious grandma, Fight Night is a love letter to mothers and grandmothers and to all the women who are still fighting painfully, ferociously for a way to live on their own terms. Um, so I picked up a copy of it at our local bookstore, but it's also an audiobook. So that is my choice for our next month. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed the first one, so I'm hoping that this one is just as good. Um so I guess we will see you in one month for that. Um, that would be our May episode. Um, and if you read anything, you know, exciting between now and then, or if you ever have any recommendations, if you want to hear us talk about a book that you love that we haven't touched on yet, we would love to hear recommendations from anybody who is a listener. So you can always email us mm-hmm. um, or, you know, shoot us a message on Instagram or whatever. Um, and we'll see you next month. Woo-hoo. Bye, everyone. Bye. How do cowboys say goodbye? Yeehaw! <laughs> Strings Unraveled is a production of Strings and Things Studio with Anne Leckervin Cazzoli, Katie Von Rader Fraker, and Karen Wilmoth. Recorded and edited by Katie Von Rader Fraker. Find us online at stringsandthingsstudio.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Strings and Things Studio. You can email us at stringsandthingsinfo at gmail.com.